Happy Easter! Man, so glad each one of you are here today. We get to celebrate the fact that we have a living hope because we have a living Lord. It's ultimately why we're here today to commemorate the greatest event in all of human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fairness, at New Anthem, we tend to do that every single week, so this really isn't different for us. I like to say our service should look way more like a party than a funeral because we have something to celebrate. And so we tend to do this every week. But in, uh, historically, Easter Sunday is the day when thousands of churches across the world, hopefully millions of churches, all gather together to celebrate Jesus, the fact that the God of the universe entered down into human history. He was born in a podunk village called Bethlehem through a miracle uh, because of his mom, Mary. He grew up, he lived a perfect life, yet late on a Thursday night, he was arrested. And early on a Friday morning, he was beaten and hung from a cross where he smothered to death. He was executed. But then, Easter Sunday, what our entire faith hinges on, Easter Sunday happened and Jesus walked out of the grave. He rose from the dead. Yeah. That changes everything. If you're a guest with us today, I just want to welcome you again, say thank you so much for coming. What we like to do during this time of our service is take a book of the Bible or a topic that seems relevant. We spend a few weeks exploring what God has to say about those things. Full disclosure, we believe that when we open the Bible, God opens his mouth, so we tend to get all of our answers from this book every single week. But we call those collections of talks sermon series, and you picked a good Sunday to come because I would like to invite you back not just next week but every single week in April because we're starting a brand new series today called Flip the Switch. During this month of April we're going to learn how to flip the switch and power on our spiritual lives. My fellow sneakerheads, Flip the Switch has nothing to do with the Nike basketball shoe collection. Uh, if you're a music fan, Flipping the Switch has nothing to do with the hit uh, by the Rolling Stones. In our context, Flipping the Switch is all about engaging God and downloading His operating system to empower ourselves so we can live out His principles. Spoiler alert, uh, preview rated for all audiences next week. The title of my message is called Don't Trust the Carrot. What? Don't trust the carrot. Trust me, you're going to want to be back here for that. If you brought a Bible, I hope you did. You can go ahead and grab it. You'll need to find 1 John. Just start at the back of your Bible. Take a left and you will find 1 John. Uh, Don't be confused by the fact that there's an actual John in your Bible. 1 John is a little bit different. If you're the President of the United States, you might call it One John. I don't know. Uh, true, true story. The other day, Lana, my nearly five-year-old daughter, and I were uh, driving in the car, and she said to me, Dad, who's that orange man that has white hair and frequently is on TV? He wears a tie. Confused, I had no idea what she was talking about. I was, I was like, Donald Trump? I mean, I'm trying to figure out who's orange, right? I mean, we got Oompa Loompa or maybe Donald Trump. So I go with Donald Trump, 
And uh, she's like, yeah. I was like, he's the president. I don't know if we can say that. I don't know, but true. I titled today's message, Turn Off the Dark. That's what Jesus came to do. Turn off the dark. On Easter morning 2,000 years ago, he brought light into an evil world and he flipped the switch on darkness. In fact, the entire story of the Bible can be summarized in these four words, from darkness to light. That's the entire message of the Bible, from darkness to light. You don't even need to read the rest of it. Okay, that's entire. No, read the rest. We're going to read some of it, actually. So uh, you've been sitting for quite a while. Let's all stand up. It's Easter. Let's get crazy. Let's stand while we read the Bible today. First John chapter 1. We're going to pick it up in verse 5. It reads, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. Let's pray. God, thank you so much again for your word. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to come and gather in this place. Thank you for revealing to us everything we need to know within Scripture. God, we just humbly submit ourselves before you today. Teach us. Thank you for your Son. Thank you for your light. Help us through the power of your Holy Spirit as we explore everything in these words that we just read. Do what you came to do. Do what only you can do. Save souls, change lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. I don't remember a lot from science class. Sorry, you know, Bruce Stuckey, if you're watching online or something. Uh, You're a great teacher. I just have limited capacity for what I can store in my brain. The first thing to go was English and punctuation. That was gone long ago. Uh, Second was science, uh, followed closely by the periodic table. But one thing I do remember about science is that darkness is not a physical state of being. There's no such thing as darkness. I think it was Einstein who first made the observation, which the thesis is that any time a light wave enters a room, it overpowers the darkness. It's what gives you the ability to see. Therefore, there's no such thing as darkness. There's just an absence of light. It makes sense hypothetically, but even from experience, I'm sure that you realize it's true. If you think about it, there's only two ways you can see something. You can either run into it physically, you can crash into something, or if, I mean, I guess if you're blind, you have your stick that helps you feel, or your hands, whatever it is, but uh, you, you, you see through feeling. And the other way that you can see something is actually by sight. You have enough light reflect off an object so that you can see it with your eyes. That's how vision works. It's the perpetual bank shot. That's how we know that, that uh, God's favorite sport is basketball. Because he banks off. So there's that. But 
Quick science lesson, light travels onto a surface, it bounces off the surface, it reflects into your cornea and into your pupil. The waves then get focused by the inner lens where then they send uh, the light waves to the back of your eye called the retina. There's millions of photoreceptors in your retina called uh, cones uh, and rods and they take the wavelength information along your optic nerve and into your brain so it can process and decode the light wave information in real time so you can know things like color and distance and uh, speed and uh, you can know depth of field and sure none of you have ever experienced a miracle before. I mean that surely just happens because a you know, pool of necrotic ooze said hey we should we just see what's going on around us. Maybe we should develop some photoreceptors and retinas and cornea. Uh, give me a break. I digress. My point is, it's all because of light that we're seeing. Without light, there is no vision. So if you want to get really philosophical, we're not actually seeing the thing we think we're seeing. We're only seeing mere light waves bouncing off the thing. Right? I have no idea what that means. But it gets even more complicated because as I was digging into this and researching light, I discovered something called color theory. The theory is that we, what we see isn't actually the color it appears. Color is just the pigment that causes light when it hits it to reflect the color we see. So what we call red, for example, is absorbing all the light waves except red. Red banks off of this object, and we see red. If you think about it, this is actually every color but red. It's rejecting the red, which is how we see red. Now, that one year that I taught in 2009, I taught my kids that there were seven colors. Does anybody remember the acronym Roy G. Biv? Seven colors, right? Red, orange, yellow, green, blue. There should be indigo, but, you know, God bless the folks at Melissa and Doug. They didn't understand that. Uh, and violet, but that's Roy G. Biv. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Now, I'll tell you, like I told my students, there's only really three colors you got to know. Red, white, and blue. Come on, somebody, right? America. God bless it. I did not teach them that. But... Uh, going back to, uh, to, to color theory, a color is known only because it accepts all colors except that color. It rejects one of the colors, so we see that color. Like if we turned off all of the lights, there wouldn't be red, there wouldn't be orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. There would just be black. It's said that color only occurs in your mind. Without light traveling through your eyes and into your brain, there can be no color. So as you got up early this morning, if you walked into a dark closet to pick out that pink or white Easter shirt, there was not actually color within your closet until you turned on the light. That's when colors started to appear. The only reason it was pink or white is because light hit the shirt. That's color theory. Like some of you, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What? There's no such thing as real color. It's only occurring in your mind. We've all been lied to this whole time. That's what color theory is all about. It's deep, right? I mean, we are in it now. It is a thick, thick stuff. 
Uh, Just one more piece of information so I can complete the light analogy. Did you know that visible light only makes up three thousandths of one percent of the light spectrum? The electromagnetic spectrum is what light falls into, and uh, we can only see 0.0035% of it. That little sliver that we can see, it's known as white light. I'm sure some of you went through that in class. The uh, science teacher would hold up the prism, right? Shoot the light through it, and what would you see? Rainbow. Okay, two of you went to class. Good job, guys. Rainbow, not a trick question. Uh, It's kind of interesting because in 1880, William Herschel was projecting light through a prison and investigating what he saw. For whatever reason, he decided he was going to take a thermometer and measure the temperature around the light waves and the color. What he found was something beyond red and above violet. He noticed there was a temperature difference when he put the temperature or the thermometer in those locations. And so what he decided to call beyond red was infrared, and what he decided to call above violet was ultraviolet. Fun fact, pit vipers can see infrared, honeybees can see ultraviolet. It's crazy. Uh, But what am I driving us toward? What is the point of talking about all this? The point is, this is a really striking parallel with what's going on in our spiritual lives. God makes visible that which was previously invisible because God is light. You can jot that down if you're taking notes. How does God take that which is invisible and turn it visible because God is light? Light isn't what He is. Light is who He is. And simple inference would allow us to conclude that if God is light, and light is the source of all vision, then God is the one who's helping us see. I think I could argue that biblically for your uh, physical eyes, that He's helping you see physically. But I, more importantly, most importantly, He's allowing you to see spiritually. It's why in verse 6, when God says that He reveals Himself to us, we can't go on living in spiritual darkness. Because spiritual darkness in its simplest form is being blind. Spiritually. It's not knowing what you don't know about spiritual things. And just like you wouldn't know color if you've never seen color, you can't know God if you haven't seen God. I guess you can think about it this way. If all you have is the ability to see black and white, then you really wouldn't know you're missing out on other colors, right? You just assume you're uh, seeing everything and it all just looks like a bewitched episode. Young people, Google that, okay? It's not the Nicole Kidman movie, okay? We used to have this thing called Nick at Night. You can ask your parents, never mind, don't worry about it whatever. The crux of it is you don't know what you don't know. And you don't know you're missing out. You'd be none the wiser about vibrant colors that are out there waiting to be seen if all you can see is black and white. When all you do is spend your time in a dimly lit room, you don't know there's more beauty waiting for you. And what we see in this passage of text, in verse 6 specifically, is spiritually we all start our lives out in darkness. God does not want you to stay there. He reiterates this fact in Ephesians 5, because Paul writes, Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse their sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. Don't participate in the things these people do, for once you were full of darkness, 
There it is. That's how you start your life. But now you have light from the Lord because He is light and He reveals to us light. So live as people of light for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Now this begs the question, if God is light, but the light is in us, how did the light get in there? It's a good question. Thank you for asking it. That all has to do with why we're here today. Because the light that is in us is Jesus. Check it out. John eight twelve. Watch this. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Don't miss that. What does the light lead us to? Life. Life. Jesus is all about leading you to life. That's the message of Easter. Immortal, abundant, everlasting life. God is not trying to keep anything from you. His rules are meant to lead you to life. When you follow Jesus, you find Life without light, there is no life. You can jot that down. Without light, there is no life. Now, we know this physically. I mean, we all know that the sun gives us light. Plants use light from the sun for photosynthesis. Chlorophyll, more like borophyll, you know. (laughs) Solid Billy Madison reference, never mind. Plants use carbon dioxide and water, and then in what can only be described as witchcraft, we get oxygen from that. Every time you walk by a plant, you should just say, yep, thank you. Take a deep breath. O2, God bless you. Sunlight, we love you all. Sunlight gives us life. It should also be noted that without light, there is no happiness. It's a scientific fact that in areas of the planet where it's darker, more often there's higher rates of depression and suicide. I'm sure some of you have experienced the depression over the winter. It's dark, it's dreary, it's cold, it affects our mood. It's just why you all want to stay in bed over the winter. You know, bears have got it figured out. You know, like, hey, let's sleep until the sun comes back out. Good idea, bears. That sounds awesome. I wish we could do that. Uh, furthermore, about light, we all know that light makes you healthy. We understand what sunlight does for our bodies with vitamin D and how it helps us produce that tasty vitamin so that we can all stay healthy. I actually read that vitamin D is technically not a vitamin. It's actually a hormone. But, you know, drinking milk has never caused me to burst into tears, so I'll just continue calling it a vitamin. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but whatever. I mean, it's a vitamin to me. Now, the metaphor translates well into our spiritual journey. Because when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's saying, I am like your need for the sun. I provide light. I provide life, I provide happiness, I provide health as we follow Jesus, the darkness of despair and guilt and loneliness and death. It all gets turned off because Jesus is light. In Him and only Him can we find fullness of life. 
Now here's where the journey takes a little bit of an unexpected turn because I want you to write this down. Both darkness and light are deadly. Both darkness and light are deadly. You can see what I mean about unexpected. I just spent the uh, bulk of our time telling you how good light is and how we need the light in us in order to see how is it that light can be deadly. What do I mean? Well, let's first remind ourselves that darkness brings death. If light is where the life is, then darkness is where death is. That's simple deductive reasoning. It's kind of ironic. I guess maybe ironic is not the best word. It's sad and true. But Jesus describes hell in the terms of darkness. The Bible repeatedly calls evil darkness. And Romans 3 tells us that we've all sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. It goes back to the Ephesians passage. It says we start our lives in darkness because there's sin in us. There's evil in us. Romans 5 will go on to say that sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. So death spreads to all men because all men have sinned. So that's the bad news. We have darkness in our lives. It leads us to death, and not just physical death, but also a spiritual death. I'm guessing on some level you know that that's true. It's why you've uh, tried to find love in all the wrong places. It's why you've tried to drugs or alcohol to make yourself feel better. It's why you've tried to buy happiness. It's why you're not content at your job. Is not, it's why you're not content in your marriage. It's why you have all these evil things running through your mind periodically. It's because there's darkness in your life. And we are trying to find the light switch. We're stumbling around. We want something to illuminate our lives. We want to find this fullness of life. The Bible says it's found in light. And so we find a, a light that we think will help us, but we find it's only a candle. And it eventually burns out and then we're left in the same spiritual and physical darkness that we were in before. So the most unfortunate thing about our human condition is we turned on the dark and we have no capability of turning it off. And it ultimately leads to death. Yet what can be equally as frustrating is the same light that brings life and is our answer to the darkness. It can take life. Think about the sun metaphor again. The same light that can produce health and vitamin D and all those great things. It can burn your skin. It can cause skin cancer. The same light that brings sight to the world around us so we can see uh, too much light is blinding. Not supposed to look directly at the sun or, you know, the the eclipse and all those things. It's why there should never be bright lights in a dressing room. You know what I'm saying? Because I look good in dim light, you know, you put a bright light, it reveals everything. That's not cool. It's it's bad. But light brings clarity, and therefore it can be deadly. Now here's what I'm saying, because we're in darkness, and it leads to death. We need God who is light. We've already established that. But if we try and stand before God in darkness, we would die. The Bible actually says that no one can stand before God and live because light drives out darkness. It annihilates it. There's no room for darkness in the presence of something that is only light. Therefore, you got to hear me, in order to get God, 
who is our light, who provides life, who can help us see in color, who can lead you to fullness of life. We need someone who can turn off our dark. And the greatest news I can give you The greatest news in the history of the world is that God, in His mercy, because He loves you, He sent His Son, Jesus, to quite literally put His light into you. What Jesus accomplished by raising from the dead and defeating death was to allow God, when He looks at you, to see light, to see His Son, Jesus. Jesus did what we could never do for ourselves And he turned off the dark. As he took his last breath on the cross, the Bible says the world became dark. Why? Because he was taking taking all of our darkness, past, present, and future, onto himself. And the world became dark. He took our sin. As he lay in darkness for three days in a tomb, he was experiencing the death that was meant for us. But then... Because he beat death, his light can literally be put into you. The Bible says all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is acknowledge God. All you have to do is say, God, I'm in darkness. I understand that. I know you're trying to reveal your light to me. I know that your justice demands that my darkness and my sins be paid for. We couldn't call God a good God if He just allowed us to do whatever we want. But then all you have to do is acknowledge in your heart, I believe that Jesus paid my price. He took my darkness. He's given me His light. That's the entire message of the Bible. That's the Gospel. That you were in sin. There was no way for you to clean yourself from your sin. So God entered into humanity to take the price for you to take your punishment for you. When you take that step of faith, God doesn't see you in darkness anymore. He sees you as the light of His Son. He sees you in fullness of life. But listen to me, because your journey doesn't stop there. Last point, and then I'll land the plane. Write this down. Our responsibility is to spread the light. Our mission from God that He laid out to us before He ascended back into heaven, is you all need to live as light in this dark world. We need to spread the light. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, Jesus said, in what way? In the same way that you saw light in somebody else, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You have a job this Easter. It's not to go hunt eggs. It's not to go eat ham. It's not to go eat cheesy potatoes, although I would recommend all of that. Your light, your job this Easter is to spread your light. As 1 John said, if God has really shown you the light, then His Holy Spirit will change how you see people. It says you're going to fellowship with each other. So, listen, you might be the closest thing to Jesus somebody gets to meet. God says, not me, God says when they see your light, they'll give glory to God. In other words, your job is obedience. God's job is the outcome. Your job is to live as light. God's going to do what only He can do and reveal the light to whoever sees it in you. 
I mean, you might be a light that's flickering on and off constantly, but the moth still gets there. You know what I'm talking about? Like, turn your light on. Let people see. Just like the reason this block is red, because it rejected everything, but it absorbed everything, but rejected red. See, the Bible says God loves the rejected. God loves the down and out. Like it, it says that He came for the rejected. Lost coin, lost sheep, lost son. You don't need to look any further in Scripture than those passages because He loves you no matter where you're at. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus is trying to preach to a whole group of people and He looks at His disciples and He says, look at them. They're like sheep without a shepherd. They're harassed. They're helpless. They need somebody to lead them. In essence, He's saying to you and to me through His disciples, hey, it's your job to lead them. To show them your light so that they can have the fullness of life that you're guaranteed the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Really what God is saying is when people look at you, they're going to notice your life's different. They're going to notice that you're seeing things in color and they're not. And you need to have an answer to them about what can happen when Jesus comes into their life and promises them new life and promises to change their world. Your job is to help people turn off the dark by leading them to Jesus, who's the only one who can actually shut off the dark. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, we love you. We know you are light. Holy Spirit, I believe you are trying right now to open up hearts and open up minds to that end. You're speaking. You're knocking on hearts. If that's you this morning, I want to give you a chance to respond to the light. All you have to do is trust in Jesus. Believe that He did what He said He would do, which is raised from the dead. That's why we're here this morning. I want to give you a chance to pray a prayer, not because it's a magical prayer or there's magic in the words, but because God said if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. So just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've sinned. I'm sorry there's darkness in my life. But I believe in Jesus. I believe He is light. I believe He is life. I believe He rose from the dead. I believe I can be made new. God, forgive me. Help me live for You. If you prayed that prayer, please come see me. Find somebody in a lanyard. I want to get some information in your hands about what your next steps are. Put it on the connection card. Put it in the offering bucket. But as we continue to pray, God, we love our time here to celebrate You. We love the fact that You love us. We believe in You. We believe in Your power. We trust in Jesus. Help us today as we leave this place to spread our light. Give us divine appointments to interact with people. Help us enjoy life more. 
because of the power of your son Jesus who can turn off the dark even on a dark, dreary day like today. We have life. We celebrate you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.